Du lytter til en podcast af Rusen Dagsværk. Jeg hedder Ditlev og skal i dag fortælle dig en historie om aktivisme i et af verdens fattigste lande. Og om hvordan man helt uden at vide det, kan en hel verden liggende for fødderne af sig. Historien den finder sted i Dhaka, hovedstaden i Bangladesh. Dhaka er en megaby, hvor man ikke har tal på, hvor mange der egentlig bor der. Og som megabyer er flest, så rejser folk fra hele landet dertil i håbet om en bedre fremtid. Det er også en by, hvor over halvdelen af indbyggerne bor i slumkvarterer, og den anden halvdel i store parcelhus og ejerlejligheder. Jeg var selv i Dhaka for et års tid siden, hvor jeg så og oplevede det her med mine egne øjne. Eftersom jeg ikke kan tage jer med dertil, så jeg prøver at vise jer, hvordan der er der. For eksempel kunne det se sådan her ud. Eller sådan her. Eller sådan her. Og når man sidder fast i trafikken i tre timer, så lyder det sådan her. Nå, nu har jeg vist snakket nok. For det er faktisk hverken mig, historien skal handle om, eller mig, der skal fortælle historien. For da jeg var i Dhaka, der havde vi en tolk, som hed Majsha. Som var en af de her lidt bedre stillede, højere middelklasse. Men hun var også rigtig inspirerende, fordi at hun sammen med os opdagede en ny verden for fødderne af hende. I am Maisha Fairuz. I am 29 years old and I live in Dhaka, the capital city of Bangladesh. And um, I work as a freelance interpreter. I work with uh, international NGOs or any foreign people who are coming here to visit, visit the slums or uh, visit any organizations. So I, uh, you know, support them. I help them uh, in interactions. I was born in Dhaka and I grew up here as well. Dhaka is a like growing city. It's it's actually now it's a growing mega city, if you know, like it's overpopulated and everything. Uh, we are the second generation here in Dhaka. So. Uh, You know, when we were very young, so, uh, our place was, you know, it was it was all empty. It wasn't like all buildings or many people. There wasn't many people around. But as time passed by, we can see the changes. Like there are lots of people. There are lots of industries and transport, traffic, you know, all. The, all. And also uh, uh, where I used to live while, uh, when, while, while I grew up, it was... Uh, you know, not in the middle of the city, but a little a bit away. And, you know, uh, yeah, people were, uh, many types of people actually lived there. And uh, there was also a slum, uh, I should say, that uh, beside our home. And when I grew up, it wasn't, I didn't really felt like it was a slum. I felt like, okay, they are my neighbors. And they were all, uh, you know, they had farms, like they have cows and chickens. And everything, so it didn't really feel like slums. 
I never went to the slum. I never went inside. I never went there. Maybe because as far as I remember, I wasn't allowed to because maybe my parents didn't feel it safe. And there were many children there, right? So they would, you know, come out and we used to play together. They would come to our place and there's, there was a, uh, you know, uh, not something like garden, but without any trees, like there's a small place in front of our uh, house. So they used to come and we all together, we used to play cricket. I mean, you know, we are, we are living in the same neighborhood, but our lives were very different. I mean, I went to school, they didn't. We, we, we played together, but uh, after some time, we were not allowed to because we all grew up and uh, uh, maybe I wasn't allowed to, you know, mix with them. The thing is, like, in, 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 uh, in our society, they, people would think that the people who live in slums are not equal. I mean, it sounds really harsh, I know. Equal in the sense, like, you cannot be friends with them. They can work for you. Uh, they can, they're not equal as you. They are below you. If sometimes I go back there, I would see some of the children. I mean, they're a grown-up man now. And I would see that they are now rickshaw pullers or they're working for somebody else. Maybe they're working in the garment industry. But as I say that I never went inside the slum until uh, like three years ago. But, you know, when I entered a slum, I felt like, okay, this is not what I know about Dhaka. This is, this, this looks like a very different place. I, I have been to villages, you know, I thought maybe the place is, would be a very, con, uh, you know, strange person, version of a village, but it wasn't. This one time, you know, it was raining from the morning and we went there. Some part, part, some part of the slums, they're like, you know, they're just normally waterlogged. Like, you know, they're just muddy. But guess what? When we went there, we saw that, okay, there is no drain and everything is mixed up. All the houses are flooded and there's no drain. Like the drain and the street, it's all, it's, it, it, it was one thing. I wasn't sure, like, okay, if I should go and if I should go through this water, it's very dirty. It's not only dirty, it's toxic. I mean, all the chemicals, the toilet water, everything is mixed up. But then I realized, okay, they are living there and I cannot walk through it. So maybe I should try. Uh, the, the smell around the slum is like all the chemicals coming from the, the chemicals, the fumes that are coming from the industries and factories. And inside the slum, it's interesting. Like all, many women are uh, cooking in the kitchen. So the smell from, the, from all the masala, from all the spices are coming. You could smell many different things in the slum. Food and sometimes uh, hair oil, you know. Women would put hair oil in their fragrant hair oil uh, on their hair. And... Uh, there and the childrens mostly they were infected with they had they have many respiratory uh, problems like they have breathing problems many have asthma and that is very common there i mean they know because they live there they know that okay we live there and there are many industries around that's why we are 
you know, that's why our children are uh, sick. They are they have breathing problems. They live there to work in the industries, which are around the slum. So they have to work. I mean, it's vice versa. You either have to choose this or that. Very unequal, very contrasting. You know, they're not just sitting there and just suffering. No, they're not. They're taking steps to fight back. They're trying to uh, make their life better in the slum. They're open about their problems. They're talking it out. I mean, we the, we the privileged ones, we are not open about our problems. We don't feel, sh- we, we don't share our problems with somebody else. But these young youths that uh, who are living in the slum, they are very open about their problems. They would say it out loud that, okay, this is our problem and we should come together to help each and help each other. I mean, they're really involved in uh, developing their uh, slum, their community, in all as- aspects. Like maybe you say, if you say housing, if you say electricity, if you say um, woman violence against women, and if you say, you know, social problems, economical problems, they really have helping each other. I mean, I am inspired by these young people of the slum, something changed me, right? So the change, the first change was the realization and the second change was uh, my respect was towards them was much higher now. I would respect these people like as anybody else. Like I would respect my friend or my family it was uh, for work that I went inside a slum, but for other people, my friends, they never went to a slum. They, they don't know how it feels like to be in, in a slum and how the people are there. They don't know. And those of us who have the access to a lot of things are not helpful towards them and who are, who are not doing any good for them. I also realized that the ability of being, uh, the ability of speaking English is actually a gift. It's, it's a skill. I realized that. I never thought, okay, it's a skill. I realized after I started working here. So it's, it's actually, I thought it long ago and I thought, okay, whatever I know, like whatever English I know, maybe I can teach somebody, yeah. some children, uh, just to, you know, the speaking English course, at least they would know how to answer the basic thing. I have just planned it out that I will do it. I think I should do more. I mean, whatever way possible, it could be anything like, you know, guiding someone, maybe a student that, okay, you can be something, you can, you can break the norm and you can be something. They can be anything. A child can be anything if they are, you know, if they are taken, they are given proper care, proper uh, facilities. I think after meeting them, that uh, the ability to dream is also a privilege. I mean, after talking to the young people in the slum, there I felt like okay, they live in a small place. I mean, their houses are very tiny, but their dreams are big. 
for the future of Dhaka. I really hope that there are no, uh, not any more slums in the city. And the term slum should be, you know, shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. They are just a neighborhood. They should be treated equally. If you can't treat equally, you cannot uh, unite and do something great. Og det var Majas historie om ulighed i en af verdens hurtigst voksende megabyer. En historie om at opdage en verden lige for næsen af en og spirende aktivisme. Jeg håber, du bliver inspireret. Jeg hedder Ditlev. Du har lyttet til en podcast af Operation Dagsværk. Hvis du vil høre flere lignende podcast, så find den der, hvor du plejer at finde din podcast. Tak fordi du lyttede med.